All right, welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we're going to talk to Brian Schaefer. And the last time we talked to Brian was episodes 15, and then we had him on episode 26 with Mike Keys. So if you want more about Brian, you can find him on those two episodes. Since we have Brian is at Brad's, so we'll have Brian, Brad, and then Chase pretty much lives at Brad's for the summer. So we'll have Chase Gibson on as well. But before we jump into that, if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventures, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. That's the website that I'm associated with. Team Rhino Outdoors has pretty much everything you're looking for for musky gear in many exclusive colors. So if you're looking for gear, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And if you're looking for gear, you're going to go visit Brad and Carrie Hoppy over at MuskyMayhemTackle.com. Brad, you want to talk a little bit about Musky Mayhem Tackle? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're the originators of the big bladed flash boot baits and uh, been around for 18 years. We truly appreciate our customers and you're more than welcome to come check out our website as well as uh, you can shop right online direct to us or uh, obviously Team Rhino as well. So definitely something to check out. We got a big selection. You can build customs right online. Give us a check. All right. Well, Brian, Chase, I mean, it sounds like Brad wants to get a little bit of work done, so you guys are going to have to hold up the show. I know it's difficult to get Chase to talk, so we're going to have to, you know, beat some words out of him. Hopefully, Brian can help with that. But uh, how? let's talk to you first, Brian. First off, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to do this. And second of all, how are things going uh, in the Northwoods? How's your season been so far? Thanks for having me, man. It's actually pretty good. Um, We've had some slow periods, you know, average. uh, We say it every year, you know, this is a weird year. And this one is very strange. I mean, it's been a really strange year. So, but she started really good and kind of tapered off. But all in all, it's decent year. Sizes are up on the fish. I would say the numbers are down. I, I definitely agree with him there. On the, we always say every year is a weird year, but it just seems to get weirder and weirder the farther we go into it. No matter what, last year was. I said it last year. Last year is a really weird year, and this year I'm saying it's even weirder. So. Where it's going, I don't know, but it's getting weird. So what do you guys mean by weird? What, what are we talking about? I mean, <laughs> let's, let's excuses. Excuses. Okay. Excuses, yeah. Well, that, that's common with all musky anglers, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll always find an excuse why we didn't get it done. But ultimately, I mean, talk about the changes that you think you've seen in the last couple of years and why this is weird. Mainly comes around all weather. You know, it's all the weather. The rain, water temps, water levels. Like this year, just it started pretty strong, and then we had those 90-degree days, and the water temperatures rose up, but it never really got too warm not to fish. They got up there, and ever since then, just really short windows. And one pattern I noticed up by us is just downsizing your baits. But really watching your moon phases and any weather change. But as far as excuses-wise, I mean, that's it's... It's different every year. I, what you <laughs> yeah, the like the weather thing he said there, you definitely noticed. I mean, I've been in it for 10 years now, and when I was a little kid, I didn't pay attention to the weather as much. But ever since I started fishing a lot more on my own, I paid attention to the weather more. And it just seems like the weather's generally the same, but instead of having a week of 50-degree weather, you get a week of 50-degree weather, but you get three days in the middle of that that shoot up to 70 degrees. So it's constantly up and down. I think when you have that up and down of weather, your patterns never hold true. So you have shorter bite windows like Brian was saying. So it obviously makes it a lot harder to put a pattern together or stay on fish. And 
the fish just do whatever they want. I think they, like up here, they scatter out a lot more. They're in 20 feet of water and they're up in five feet of water. You can do whatever you want, but it, it's just harder when you don't have that constant same weather pattern every week and you know that those fish are comfortable in eight foot of water you can go back there and catch those fish for weeks on end if that wet if that weather will stay that way consistency yeah consistency there's not been consistency the past two years you know i don't know about you jeff but by us even when we're having those 90 degree days in the 80s our nights are really cold you know they really cool down at night so the water temps are just really goofy I will say, you know, like last year, for an example, and we were discussing it this morning when we were on the water, we didn't get any rain. And I know we've talked about this a year ago. It was really strange in the sense that our waters went basically down two and a half, three feet on most of the bodies of water that I fish. And that was definitely challenging. The weather pattern was pretty much consistent. It was just hot and dry. Having that lower water, I think, changed the game a little bit even this year. Um, our water came back up to the normal water depths that we would have normally had in September because of a bunch of big rainstorms. But I'm kind of curious, you know, we got a ton of snowfall this past winter as well. And I, I think that our cabbage really, really died off. And unfortunately, with the snow cover on the ice all winter, it kind of put a hurt to the weeds. And I'm seeing this year way more coontail and some of the other different weeds that grow up, the junk weeds. And it's made it really sloppy and the cabbage seems a little bit weak. So that's definitely changed some of the game this year, in my opinion. Yeah. You see up by us now, it's the opposite. The cabbage came up beautiful. We had beautiful weeds this year. So beautiful cabbage. It's, it's weird. It's just, it all, it all ties into weather, right? So you got your weather can change your, your weed growth here for me in the south it it's flooding so we, past two years i've never seen high water ever as bad as it has been the past two years and i'm still catching fish but it's just you go from having uh on your prime prime dates you go from having two to five fish days to having maybe a one to a three fish day which is still great but when you're grinding out 10 12 hours a day and you only have two to three opportunities a day which is still good but when it normally should be a lot better, it's kind of frustrating. But I think that's why we're all so. Uh, that's, I think that's why we're musky fishermen. We're constantly thinking, and the inconsistencies is what we pay attention to, and we try to make a pattern as much as we can. But obviously, it's it makes it tough when you have so many inconsistencies. Exactly. I would agree though with you, Brian. I mean, I've seen it the same. Even on those eighty degree days, we're still getting in the fifties and sixties at night, like low, you know, lower fifties to you know higher fifties. So it's been, it hasn't really. The water temperature probably hasn't changed much. I would say in the last what month. And that's like my excuse. I just I can't put my finger on it. We always have something, you know, low water, too hot. But this year, the water temps were just there, you know, and um, just really weird windows, short feeding windows, and you got to be on the spot, you know, to get those fish to go. And downsizing baits really seem to be the key this year, just smaller baits. But July, we had high winds, no rain, and now August, it's been no wind and all rain. So yeah, It's crazy, too, when you think about it. I know Chase and I were doing some filming, say, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. One day, we're sweating our butts off. It's 90 degrees. The next day we're in sweatshirts all day. The next day we're we're sweating again. The next day we're in sweatshirts again. I mean, it's so bizarre. There's so many ups and downs in our in our weather patterns. 
yes, the water temps aren't changing a lot at that point, but I mean, <laughs> we're uncomfortable. I'm guessing the fish probably feel that as well. It's, it's high pressure or low pressure back and forth. Well, your surface temp rises so much. I mean, you get out there in the morning and during those cold days, your surface temperatures are 71 and that's pretty much consistent. Well, then you get a 90 degree day with no wind, flat, calm, your surface temperature rises right up to 75, 76 or whatever. And it's just surface, but that still has to have some somewhat of a thing on a fish. So they, they definitely can feel that, you know. I know like this month now, just watching that weather since it's been so calm. So anytime some cloud movement comes in or any wind change or wind period, you better be on your spot because that's when we're getting the fish. Yeah. And it's the exact opposite of uh, if you're out there and it's hot and sunny and you get just a little bit of rain or whatever, and bang, you catch a fish. Exactly. Any weather change now is yeah. just key. Almost more than the you know the windows the moon windows i think it's super interesting how obviously i'm from down in west virginia so so far away i mean 16 hours to here and the the bite windows what you're saying with the short bite window is exactly the same as what it was all spring for me mm -hmm. you get a 30 minute two two or three 30 minute windows out of the day that you're going to catch fish and if you're not on your spot on top of a fish or whatever you're not going to catch a fish it seems to be that way through the whole country yeah it really is and when you talk to so, Brian, if somebody's heading up to the Northwoods right now, and you say, you know, this what this episode's going to come out in a couple of days, if they're heading out for this weekend, where do you, you got any advice on where they should start and, and, and what they should be doing? Well, again, I'll go right back, you know, to the weather. Just watch your weather for sure. But, um, you know, weed edges right now up there are really good. Now, I know this weekend we're supposed to have a cool down, so we might have some fish moving up shallow. But I would just start on those weed edges, and that's been pretty hot throughout the whole year now even right from the spring bite you know we weren't finding fish very shallow opening weekend we were getting them already out weed edges and it's kind of been consistent the open water bite was a little slow this year trolling bite was really slow but just stay on those weed edges and if we do get that cool down don't be afraid to move up shallow when you're on those weed edges do you downsize on those too yep. with we, rubber we, and everything yep. uh, early summer where i normally are moving up on bait size um, we were getting follows on them, and we started downsizing things, and we started putting more fish in the boat. It's been pretty consistent with that as far as uh, size-wise, even here in August now. You know, we're still getting a few fish here and there on, you know, larger baits, but if you're getting a lot of follows on them, just downsize. Here's another thing I noticed. I mean, we've been filming here and fishing together the past couple of days. I've noticed you're really keen in on uh, adding rubber baits to baits and uh, or adding rubber tails to baits and blades and things. You do that pretty often then? Yeah, all my tails, all my bucktails have uh, yeah. little rubber tails on them. Add just a little extra. It might be the difference between a follow, short strike, or a slam. Yeah, I, I notice uh, you hear that from a lot of like southern guys. So the southern guys, like Greg Thomas, he's always adding blades or tails, and I've always done the same thing, so I thought it was pretty interesting that you've done that also. I think it's kind of interesting also, you know, Brian, you reiterated that the trolling bite has been kind of slow up north. It seems like that's been kind of what I've been hearing from everybody in the north. Right. Yeah, everyone I know, all the trolling friends I have, you know, it's it's been a slow, very slow year for trolling. We've got a few fish, but not like normal. I mean, even just the mid-lake bite itself, you know, just suspended bite has been a really slow bite. They've been sticking to the weed edges. Have you had bugs this year, Benny? A little bit. Not, so, Brad, not you normal. didn't really have many bugs this year, did no. you? No, we didn't. 
strange to say the least, but you know, I was on the phone with Jeff here back in June and he's like, look at the mayflies. He, he stopped at a quick trip and the whole box of his truck was solid mayflies. And I'm like, what is going on? We never had any bugs hardly at all this year. I mean, the little lake flies, the little white lake flies, yes. But the mayfly hatch for a couple of years now has not been mm. nothing. Yeah, I mean, right. it's non-existent. It's pretty small up us this year. Well, like last year was my first year ever being up here in Minnesota, and I remember always hearing about the bugs. We don't really have bugs like that at all in West Virginia, so I was expecting to be covered with them. Well, last year didn't seem to have very many bugs either, and this year I would say maybe a little bit. A couple nights that we've night fished, there's been a little bit more bugs than last, but it's still nothing crazy. No, I remember years. I mean, I think if you went to uh, Muskie Mayhem Guide Service, my Instagram, and you search through there, you you would find some pictures by the access where there's mayflies everywhere to the point where you can't hardly breathe. Um, the little white lake flies, if you're night fishing, it looked like it snowed in the back of my boat underneath the, the transom yeah. light. But I don't know. It's just not that way. And I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Hopefully everything just cycles through. I would go out on a limb and say that the nights that we have fished, and there's been a lot of bugs we've caught fish, though. It's true. I had a great night and tons of bugs, and then we went out with Carrie that one night and did really well. And there's lots of bugs that night. Yeah, it, it definitely reflects. I mean, if you think about it, those bugs are coming from the bottom of the lake. The bait fish are feeding on those bugs, and guess who's right behind them? You know, your predator fish are going to be right behind that. It definitely is a key component to uh, catching more fish, I would agree. And then you think about it, those are your warmer nights too, which we don't have very many. So, of course, you're not going to see the bugs if you're not getting those warmer nights. Well, let's talk a little bit about where we think we're going here this season. You know, these cooler water temperatures. I mean, things should start to move shallow, wouldn't you guys think? I'm hoping so. I mean, we've been saying, you know, for the last few weeks, oh, hopefully this moon phase here is going to change something or, or this is going to happen. Now this... You know, it's supposed to cool down this weekend, and I'm I'm thinking it it should really start picking up here. I, and I've noticed it the last week or so here, it picking up. You know, one day we're moving fish, we're catching a couple, and the next day, you know, maybe one or two here. But it, it is picking up, and I think one good cool down is going to change it all. Yeah, yeah the uh, it definitely seems like up here. I mean, I've been up here since uh, mid July, and. It started in open water and then it went to edges and it's still sort of edges in that mid depth now, but we're starting to find a couple more fish up in that less than six foot of water. I, I think after this cold front, like Brian's saying, is the rest of the, the big wave of fish is going to pull up there in that shallow water. I think there's a couple of them are getting up there early and uh, just feeling things out. And once you get that first big cold front, I think a, a, the majority of the fish are going to pull up in there. I think right now they're really spread out because we've had such an inconsistent weather pattern the past month. So they're really, I'm sure there's fish in open water on the edges and mid-depth and shallow right now, but it just depends on which ones you're going to eat. Yeah, pretty scared. You know, when you guys are talking cold front, like how much of a temperature change are you talking before you think this happens? I mean, is a, is a cold front, you know, a few 80 degree days and then a 70 degree days, or do you need something like 50 degrees to get, to get them going? I'd like to see six degrees, 60s. During the day, I wanna, I wanna be, I want the cold front so harsh that I wanna be in a ski mask, gloves, and boots <laughs> in the middle of the summer. That's what I wanna see. Well, you're from the south, so doesn't seventy yeah. degrees do that? Uh, it's like sixty-five, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. <laughs> He's got a jacket on right now. Yeah, I do. 
I've had a hoodie on for the past uh, month, all summer. <laughs> no, I think what the key point and the key component to this whole thing is, is those really cool nights where when you get on the water in the morning, you got to be bundled up in a sweatshirt, yeah. maybe even some uh, rain pants. And see your and breath. Then, yeah, you can see your breath in the morning. By noon or so, you're down to a sweatshirt or maybe a t-shirt. But the problem is, is the sun's just got so much power right now. And so... You know, it might be 75 degrees out, but man, it feels like it's 90 because that sun's just kicking your butt, you know. Um, it's important that throughout the day, then, you either have some cloud cover, something that's going to drastically change that water temp for them to push. Now, but there's another theory to that, too. Chase and I have been talking about this a bunch that we've touched on this with other topics, but is it more calendar time or is it that temperature? And Man, I keep leaning that it's more calendar-driven than it is actually temperature in some cases because I, I know there's times where September is 90-some degrees. Those fish still made their movement even though the water temps didn't change. I yeah. totally agree with you. And like Chase, like you just said, one warm day can change that water temperature. It's meaningless. Right. Where we've had, we, I mean, we've always had really inconsistent weather in the south, but one thing I've definitely noticed in the last six years is I'm starting to... Uh, Instead of trying to remember water temperatures and what the weather was that week or whatever last year, I just look at the dates on my phone. And that's a huge component for me when it comes to guiding or when I'm in a rut. I just look at my phone, look at the picture, and I'll remember where that fish was and what it was on and how shallow or whatever. I don't really care about temperatures much anymore. And where I was saying just a little bit ago, we're starting to see fish shallow. I think those fish go that shallow every year at this exact same date. But there's always fish that do their calendar year movements, but then when the actual weather front comes in, then all the other fish are like, okay, yeah, let's go. So no matter what, you're going to have shallow fish during this time of year early that always do it every year. And then when the actual weather hits, the majority of them come in or just the other half, whatever it is. And it's just like deer hunting with the rut. I mean, it's the same thing. The rut starts calendar time. You get those cold days or whatever, you might have more movement and that's the same with muskies here. You know, they, they're moving up in these shallow bays during that calendar time. You get a couple of cold days, and then the majority of them come in there. Yeah, the rest of the fish are moving. So, just like deer. It really is. It's just like deer. I mean, I've seen during prime rut in West Virginia, and there's it's super hot out. Those deer are still chasing as hard mm -hmm. as they can. It doesn't matter. But you get a cold day, you might see, you know, you might see more. Yeah, you might see more do it. And that's what the cold, you know, our next cold front probably will hopefully help us with when the numbers moving. Well, it really made me start thinking about the calendar year thing. And it is funny because when I, I met Brad, after start thinking about this, and then we started having conversations about it. I, uh, there's a spot where I guide that I've not really caught a whole lot of fish off of. But there's, uh, there's one date a year, and it happened three, two years ago. I pulled up on the spot. We, I seen the biggest fish I've ever seen in the lake on that spot would not eat came back the next two freaking weeks trying to catch that thing and uh it wasn't there never did see it again well last year same exact date completely different weather pulled up to that spot raised another super giant fish is it the same fish i don't know but it could be and i know this it's a it's a the biggest fish i've ever seen in the lake so i'm leaning toward it's the same fish but she is on that one spot for that one day now where she goes before that and after i don't know and i got to figure that out but that I know for a fact, I will be right there on that date, and I'm not telling anybody what that date is. <laughs> and you know what? You hear that same 
thing from like deer Google. hunters. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. They'll see big bucks on this, you know, certain area every year. Well, it's like you have a trail cam picture of a big buck all summer, and then rut hits. Where's he go? Oh. And that guy's probably thinking, "Well, where's that guy? Where's that deer at during summer months?" It's the exact same it's thing. Crazy. Well, let's talk a little bit about patterning on on some of the shallow stuff. So, if if people are starting to poke around in the shallows. How long would you give it before you make contact with a fish? You know, where would you start? Are you looking for basically any weed flat? Are you looking for, you know, weed flats adjacent to deep water? Why don't you kind of give a little bit of information on what people should be looking at and how long they should be spending in certain areas right now? I like uh, flats points closer to deep water, definitely. But if there's a nice inside weed edge, all the better. So we work the inside weed edges. Um, Anything with a steeper break by it and, a, and the flat near it. And I'm always staying fairly close to water with an inside weed edge. I guess that would be my go-to. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, and I, I mean, I'm not super experienced on the, the northern fisheries like this for your shallow push, but I've definitely noticed um, last year and this year, um, especially this year, that we're still in the early transitions to the shallow water period. So the fish that I've been starting to see up shallow have all been – in or near an inside turn that goes into really shallow water and i think that's just because those fish aren't wanting to be way up 100 yards up on a five foot flat they're wanting to be in shallow water but they want that close water or that deep water close um so i think that's a super good place to start is if you see any steep break that's really close to a shallow flat and if it's got good cabbage up on top of it then you're even set even better um, another thing i've noticed is that when you're up there fishing shallow and you're throwing a bucktail or whatever, if you get a bunch of perch follows or bluegill follows, whatever, then you know there's bait up there. Because about a week and a half ago, two weeks, I was up on a shallow flat, wasn't seeing bait like that. Well, then we went back and checked it a day or two ago, and then there's all these perch and bluegills following my bait in. Well, guess what? We saw muskies. We caught caught one and lost a couple, raised a couple. So it uh that's the big key too is have that bait have that good deep water near to your uh shallow water and uh you'll find muskies there totally agree so brian when you're fishing in northern wisconsin we hear about this this reed bite in minnesota i guess it's kind of a big deal do you see that as a pattern in wisconsin now where i'm at i don't really have many weeds around the lakes i'm guiding i mean there's a handful of them and it's not like anything like minnesota our fish aren't like anything like minnesota fish either so no not not with the reeds so we're not getting any reed bite up and it's just the flats like i just said with those inside weed edges but i don't know where if you got reeds by you but no i don't see them the reed bite I mean, I have some on some of the lakes I fish, but I never find muskies in them, so I don't know what the deal is, because it's a big thing over there in Minnesota, isn't it, Brad? It can be, depending on the body of water, yes. Like, my bodies of water over here, have I caught them in the reeds? Yes. But it's never a consistent bite. You're talking more like that Cass Lake, Leech Lake, um, some of those lakes up in that neck of the woods definitely have fish that push into that, and that's, again, you know, it's when the temps start dropping, and I think a lot of times it's based upon looking for warm sand bottom. Those reeds are growing in sand. And I think uh, it pushes some bait in there, and obviously the muskies are going to follow. I don't have that great a reed bite. Not consistent one anyway. Well, the thing of it is, too, is those lakes that you mentioned, seems like those fish like being shallow more often. They do. Whereas over here, these fish, 
they like being shallow, but not nearly as often. So maybe a lake that uh, the fish tend to hang out shallow throughout the year more so than others. If those had reeds on it, I would give it a try. But different hood. Yeah, they 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 like the shallow water, so the reeds is just an added feature to shallow water that they could utilize. You know, Jeff, up by us, two of those reeds that we're talking about, I do find fishing them in the spring when they're just coming up. Like Brad said, how it warms up that sand. And I'll find them in the spring when the reeds are just coming up, you know, opening weekend, opening week. But fall, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen that. I don't know if maybe they grow too thick or, you know, or bait fish aren't attracted to them or what. It seems weird, you know, right? I mean. Right. I, no, I totally agree. It's, I, I play around with it. I can't say I've uh, done very well doing it and I do it often, but I've done it enough where it just didn't pay out. But like I said, in the spring, we have done a lot better in the spring opening. Well, what you need to do, Jeff, is you need to get a bunch of Team Rhino Customs and some musky may and bucktails and just throw them up in the reeds. And that way, that'll attract them into that area. <laughs> and then you go in there and you can catch them. It's always a good tip from you, Chase. I appreciate right. that. <laughs> it's pro tip. You got to know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Brad, I can't believe you got to hang around with this guy all the time. <laughs> it is weird, isn't it? It's a blast. <laughs> so, Brian, I've been hearing from, you know, various reports that topwater baits have been a little tougher this year. Is that something you've been seeing over there? And you got any insight as to why maybe you're seeing that? Because, I mean, it seems like it should be solid. Oh, most definitely. It's one of our tougher years for topwater baits. Um, it started off, like I said, our year started off pretty normal. Everything was coming together. We we're getting some nice fish. Top waters were working, everything, and the bottom just dropped out. And um, now we were having these perfect nights where normally it's almost money to put top water on and, and catch a fish, and we're not even moving anything on them. It's very odd, and I have no answers for it. Now, up here, we're, we're moving some fish, but by us, it's just it's non-existent almost i mean there's some fish being caught on them but i'm not seeing it and i'm just hoping this cool down that we're talking about you know is going to change things but up in northern wisconsin at least in my area there it's it's been a very slow year for top water i think one of the interesting things about top water too is i think it takes some time and and every year it seems to change just a little bit I don't know, you know, Bomb Squad came out last year with the, the new flap, the MK-65 and the C4. And we had quite a bit of action on the MK-65. But, you know, the years previous to that, I was talking about it today in the boat. Um, it seemed like the Cannonball Junior for three, four years ago. I mean, you couldn't keep them off that bait. It was incredible. It, it was just totally insane. Last year, it was the Fat Bastard. And that you had to reel and retrieve that thing so slow, it was just dumb. I mean, it was almost painful. This year, the flap is working. We've gotten bit quite a few times on the flap here in the last week or so. But we're trying to find that other prop style bait that's really, really shaking things loose. And I, I'm not sure yet. Is it the Dr. Evil? Is it a pacemaker? I don't know. We've had action on a little bit here and there, but it hasn't been consistent. And I think a lot of times it's due to that, you know, that a next cool down that we get, I think is going to be pretty much the effective tool that we need to make it really, really take off. But definitely right now, number one top water in my boat right now is the MK65. It's been pretty crazy. And it's interesting that you say that, Brad, because 
the top water action we have had this year has been on slower moving top water baits. You know, I said how we downsized on our rubber and everything else, but the slower moving top waters this year have been the most productive. Tail, tail tops almost non existent. Would you say quieter or louder? Or both? Quieter. Quieter. More subtle. Creepers, a little subtle creeper or that, you know, that flap tail that's pretty subtle. Yeah. So just something that they, uh, Something that's not super uh, obnoxious and making them eat, but it's just so slow they can't stand it and they have to come up and bite it. I guess putting a puzzle together, you know, you think of it, it's a slower moving, quieter top water. We've been downsizing, and even like when I'm throwing rubber, if you're ripping it hard throughout the summer, we've gotten anything but just that hopping action. That's where we're getting our bites even on rubber. So everything's been pretty subtle and not very aggressive. That's funny you mentioned uh, creepers. I was going to ask about that, whether anybody's been throwing any creepers, because that's one of those those uh, styles that I guess it's pretty effective. It's not. I just have a hard time throwing it because of how slow you need to work it, so that's not really my style, but it, I mean, I guess they're effective baits. That's what's been working for us. You know, the few fish we have got on top water have been on uh, creepers. How about the Suic Nightwalker? Does anybody throw the Suic Nightwalker? I've I've had good luck with that one back, you know, I don't know, probably five years ago. I wasn't using it. I, I don't I don't throw top water a ton, so I haven't been using it a lot. In fact, lately I haven't been fishing a ton, so I still haven't been using it. But I know it's one of those that I had been good. Is that anyone? Has anybody seen any success with that? Well, we picked up a custom color from you. I don't know, probably a month ago. Um, I wanted to try one. I had never thrown one. It's a cool little prop bait, and it's you know Brian's talking about downsizing. It definitely is a smaller top water with quite a pack of a, a punch with the uh, the prop on there. It really throws some water. It's got a very deep, nice plop sound to it. Um, I really like it, Jeff, but we have not moved a fish on it. And I think uh, it kind of goes in hand in hand with what I just said, that the prop style baits have not really been the go-to when it comes to top water yet. But I think in the next 10, 12 days, definitely going to see a change where the prop baits start kind of making a, a better charge with uh fish activity i agree yeah once, once they get up shallow and they're wanting they're wanting little showgirls and rabbit girls burning and they'll go after those props i'm sure that that night walker is pretty cool was the one uh brad's talking about is using it and it's it's pretty unique as far as like it's so small it actually looks like it rides in the water a hair deeper and it's got that real deep plop like brad was saying you don't find that with a lot of small prop baits can you work it really slow and just you can work it super slow that's what's cool about it it's amazing how much water that thing turns. I, For as small as it is. As weird. small as it is, it throws water high. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things change. Lots of uh, dynamics you're going to have to play around with on the water these days. You're going to have to play around with small baits, shallow, deep. I mean, I would say we probably didn't really narrow much down here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit, you know, downsize, slow it down. Everything's subtle. You, yeah, it seems like uh, I, th I think last year was a lot the same though too. Is it's everything's getting more subtle. I think in uh, what I expect in four to five years, we'll be drop shotting and Ned rigging uh, for muskies, <laughs> kind of like smallmouth fishing but musky fishing. So that that'll that'll be a come into play hopefully. And not every day <laughs> by us has been so subtle. I mean, we've had some days where we're burning and you know those DS fours and and. Smaller bucktails were burning in, and we were doing good. But yeah, throughout the year, just subtle has been more putting more fish in the boat. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen that pattern too. Where 
I mean, getting some fish on cowgirls or whatever, but slowing things way down. And I think a lot of people have a hard time when they're throwing a bucktail, they want to crank it, right? Well, especially with all these high-speed reels now and long ones. Yeah. Right. And, and one way to get rid of that is go to a low-speed reel, peel half the line off of it. You're going to slow things yeah. way down. You know, if you are one of those guys that can't slow down, that's a great method to do it. You know, get rid of a bunch of backing and just fill that spool halfway. That's going to slow your bait down, I promise you. I don't know. You know, burning bucktails definitely still is moving fish, especially if you start seeing those fish get ultra shallow, which we're going to start seeing here in the next couple of weeks. And I think that speed can still be a factor. Don't get me wrong. But I would agree. I mean, it's weird how these fish are reacting to certain baits. There's a time and place for that slow stuff. Always. Uh, Brian just said, and the fast stuff. So we're back to the point where we really don't know anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to go to, you know, to something where you don't, where we don't know anything. So Brian, you're, you know, we're talking, you know, smaller baits, we're talking, you know, more subtle baits. What's the story with uh, like big baits? Do you, are pounders something that you ever throw in Northern Wisconsin? Do you ever throw the monster swim dogs or any of that kind of oh, stuff? For, for sure. For sure. Normally that's all we're almost throwing right now. Mags, pounders, but we're just not moving the fish on them we're not putting fish in the board and we're downsizing to you know mags to even mid-size deuces and stuff putting more fish in the boat definitely this time of year we're already throwing pounders you know i start throwing the big stuff fairly early i i throw a lot of bigger baits early right off the bat but we just in uh my area there it's just been a downsized year and like we said we're always looking for answers for things i just besides the cooler nights and just the weird water temps that's all i can think of I think it's interesting too, Jeff, like, you know, we've been saying the downsizing and doing whatever, and, and don't get me wrong, the, it seemed like the trigger was doing pretty good here the last couple weeks, and that was with speed, you know, but that was ultra shallow as well. But one of the trends that Chase brought up to me was he's seeing all these different social posts, and a lot of guys are using the detonator after dark, and it it's not my favorite after dark bait, but it looks like it's getting the job done. And the reason it's not my favorite is you can't slow it down as much as a normal bait that you would be throwing after dark. And so I find that interesting too. We're talking about downsizing. We're talking about going slower. And then you see this trend of all these pictures that we're getting. And it's a ton of detonator fish after dark when you should be slowing down and the detonator is not a slow, slow bait. I mean, you can get down there, don't get me wrong, but it's a moderate pace bait to keep those blades really going. And everything I'm talking about right now, too, up by us is mainly, you know, guiding during the day. So at night, you know, some larger baits slowing down. Just the normal cowgirls, the number one to go to, so. And I think, too, uh, like what Brad's saying, that the, the detonator doesn't, uh, it does go slow, but it doesn't go brad slow what i call it i actually call it carry slow what a lot of the listeners probably don't realize is that they reel so slow you can never imagine how slow they can reel it's insane i had brad with me in ohio and we were uh we were doing a little night fishing and and i was telling him i was like these fish are kind of deep you you want to use the cowgirl he's oh yeah i'll get the cowgirl down there and i'm just thinking in my head there's no way he's getting a cowgirl down there 15 20 feet well he, he did I, I could see his bait coming in and his bait's going ultra slow. And I'm like, are your blades spinning? He's like, yeah, why? I'm like, I don't know how you're moving that cowgirl so slow. But it, there's something to be said about how slow Brad and Carrie actually fish when it comes to night fishing. So, 
And, and it does. I, I agree 100%, though. I, I've seen them outfish me, and I've heard stories of them outfishing everyone else because they're going so much slower, especially Carrie. Um, but it, it's there's a time and place for that super slow, but I also think with the detonator thing is that that, that bait is so loud that it's okay to go just a hair faster with it because they can track it down. Yeah, they can find it. They, they can find it because it sounds like an Apache helicopter comes through the water, but... I, but then again, there's also nights, I think, when they're not really eating that much, that that super, super slow cowgirls is what's going to go go before the detonator. It's what's going to get bit. Um, so it's it's another thing there where you just kind of got to test the waters and figure out what's been working or what's working for you and what you're comfortable with to really put fish in the boat. Yep. You got a couple guys in the boat. Everyone try, you know, different yep. style bait. Figure it out. One, one bait that never gets really talked about anymore is the old hog wobbler. You know, we were talking about a creeper. We were talking about top waters. How many of you guys are throwing hog wobblers at all? I don't very much. It's a great effective bait, but for sure. at the end of the day, I myself, they're hanging on my wall. I'm not, not even putting them in the boat. And it's definitely one of those baits that, man, you got to work it ultra slow. And it's weird. I feel like I can work a cowgirl slow, but when it goes to something like that, I struggle. Right. It, it's like the mental thing for me. It's all, I get it. Because like the creeper is slow, but for some reason I, I can work a creeper. Right. But a hog wobbler, it's... I just don't. But there's a couple baits that same style working like a swim whiz. What was that high fins? Uh, giant uh, scamper, was it called? I don't remember that one. But a big metal lip on it. You'd bend that lip down. It worked just like a hot water. That was really good. Build locomotives. They're not yep. made anymore, I don't think. But you could work that a little faster. Right. I'll tell you what's really funny what you just said, Brad. Your hog wobblers are hanging on your wall. I don't know if you noticed, but when we got in this morning, I, in I just stuck a hog wobbler in your boat. <laughs> I thought, you know what? They're eating that super stupid slow flap tail. I'm going to try a hog wobbler when we go back out this evening. So, smart idea. Yeah. So I, I just stuck in the boat. So we'll see how that goes. Well, I was thinking when Brian was talking, maybe we need to grab one of those creepers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just grab them all. Yeah. Let's have like... After you just cleaned your boat out. Yeah. We need a boat that follows us just for tackle. <laughs> Maybe yeah. yeah. Maybe what you need to do is talk to Lakewood or somebody and uh, get a custom Team Rhino Outdoors follow follow uh, boat. a follow boat, but a follow tackle box boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just designed for that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually surprised nobody's come out with that. With how much gear we need to take. <laughs> no, it's so stupid. I mean, you know, Brian's going, "Hey, do you have this?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I don't think I have that tray." You know. Hey, Brad, you got one of these? I don't think I got that in the boat, you know? And it's that time of the year where I'm going to start transitioning what baits are in the boat and what isn't. So it's tough, man. It's just hard to keep everything managed in your boat really well. And you can't have it all. You well, know, you I, try. I think another thing that's really funny is like in your, I was in my seven, my 16-foot John boat and I had baits in there. I'm always like, man, I wish I had a bigger boat to have more baits in it. Well, then I got a 17-foot uh, V-bottom. That's what I originally started guiding out of. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a bigger boat to have more baits in it. Well, now I have a Ranger, 620 Ranger Tiller. I got a giant just-in-case box custom-built for the front of it, completely full. And I get up here, and you know what? I'm going to put two Lakewood Monsters in it. So now I got two Lakewood Monsters, a giant in-case box completely full. And then guess what? I put a couple Planos full of baits in my rod lockers. So... I don't really think there's ever a stopping point when it comes to that, unless you buy a yacht and you just can't afford baits anymore. But 
it's uh it's pretty funny and every musky fisherman you talk to is exactly the same way so and now you got an order in for a 622 yeah i got one coming it's got extra bait storage all over it so <laughs> you know just so you know there are people that do still look for hog wobblers i had a couple people email me this summer about them and then i tried to get them and i can't get them to respond so i would love to carry them but i can't get them really yeah that, that surprises me I don't know. I guess I haven't looked around to see if they're out there. I have a bunch of old ones, so there's no reason for me to try to buy one right now. But great well, company. Well, you know how it is, Brad. We're always trying to add what people want, right? I mean, we try to listen to their customers the best we can. So if it's something somebody wants, we try to get it. Absolutely. But yeah, I've, I've tried. So if anybody's got any, you know, if somebody from ho- that manufactures the hog wobbler, if you uh, want to get, you know, give me an email, that'd be, that'd be cool. We'd definitely be interested in carrying your stuff, especially if we get them in custom colors. Cause you know, you've never seen that before either. One tip with them too, uh, Mr. Smith gave me, uh, you screw, just take the back tail and screw it back one and it makes it a little wider and you can actually reel them in a little quicker. Hmm. So well, Jeff, if you carry everything that the customer wants, can you get me a Ranger 622 with tackle storage and a custom collar? I'll work on it for you. Okay, just let me know. Yep, I'll work on it for you. Perfect. I got plenty. I got nothing else to do. I'm just kind of hanging out right now, just you know, sitting here waiting for things to come in. Well, you know, you're never busy, so no. you got plenty of time. Lots of it. So I'll get right on it. This afternoon, actually, once we're done with this podcast, we first thing I do. Well, first thing I do is I'm going to finish cutting my grass. Second of all, then I'll get on it. Right. Ah, you don't need to cut your grass. It'll die. That cold front's coming that we're talking about. It'll, it'll be gone soon. It'll be dead in two months. Buy um, some sheep. Buy some sheep? Is that what you said, Brad? A sheep or a horse or something. Well, I was thinking yeah. about just borrowing the in-laws' cows. I mean, I could just let them graze for a little while. <laughs> I always uh, I cut my grass one time for the year, and then I, I spray it with Roundup, and I put a little green paint in that Roundup, and it stays green the same height all year. <laughs> Now that is a pro tip, right, Chase? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. How do you think? Who do you think's cutting my lawn right now in West Virginia? It probably looks like a hayfield. All right, guys. Well, I know you guys want to get back on the water. You took a little bit of you know midday break to get this podcast done. So, Brian, if people are looking to get in touch with you to book a guide trip, how do they go about doing that? Uh, you can uh, reach me by my email at schaeferoutdoors.com or you can just call me at nine two zero nine one five twenty six fifty. This year, you know, I have a handful of days left. We can uh, start getting into calendars for next year, too. Didn't I see you got some fancy new website this year, too? Yeah. Amy Keys built it. Nice. Great job. And what would be the website address if people want to check out your fancy new website? Chaseforoutdoors.com. Well, guys, I'm going to get back to cutting my lawn. I'll let you guys get back to fishing. We want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to get this one done. I want to thank all of our listeners again for always putting up with us for more episodes, and hopefully we'll see everybody again when we have a new one next week Wednesday.